welcome to Wine and Murder Night, a podcast where two friends discuss, and drink to, their favorite cozy mysteries. I'm Carolyn Wilkie. And I'm Sabrina Malshausen. Hey. I almost forgot what I was supposed to say, because it has been so long since we have recorded to you. <laughs> with each other. because someone had to fuck off to Cambodia and do some family shit, I yeah. guess. <laughs> so it how was, was actually- that? How was that? It was pretty great. It was pretty great. Um, it was like half travel, half family, mm-hmm. which was interesting. And you'll appreciate this. Uh, I got to meet my cousin's husband for the first time, and he is from Francophone Africa. And while he's learning English, he basically just started learning English, so he doesn't know a whole lot of it. So the majority of the time when I was interacting with him... Or wanted to make him feel included. Uh, we spoke French. <laughs> nice. And so I had to break out my very, very rusty French skills. Nice. <laughs> but he's he was great, and like uh, we became fast for like you know we became friends and everything like that. And uh, now he's trying to hook me up with his brother. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I, don't, oh I don't know God. what to tell you. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's a super nice guy. Uh, très gentil. Yes, uh, très gentil. <laughs> uh, but, uh, literally, literally, he was like, hey, can I give him your WhatsApp name and you can become pen pals? And I was like, sure, fine, whatever. And then he tried to video call me. Literally, literally the minute he got my number. I was like, oh, no, this is a cultural exchange that I just don't think will work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, what I've noticed is that um, uh, there's there's a cultural difference between uh, amongst video callers. I don't video call, but apparently black people do. <laughs> and I'm like, when did this happen? I did not get the memo. And, um, <laughs> sorry. Like, every time I talk to someone on um, a dating app, and we hit it off and, you know, we trade numbers. He goes, so when can I video call you? And I'm like, never. never. At least they asked. Yeah. And that's a, <laughs> and that answer is never. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like trying to hide anything. I just don't like talking on the phone. Yeah, no. Pretty much. I have never liked talking on the phone. Like even like as a middle schooler, when like that's supposed to be the thing that middle schoolers do is like <laughs> talk on the phone and gab about people. Mm-hmm. Like I had, a, <laughs> this is so bad. Uh, my friend Karen would call, sorry, Karen, if you're listening to this, we're not really friends anymore. So I doubt you are, but like, I apologize. <laughs> uh, so she would call to have like, you know, middle schooler conversations and she would just talk so much that, like, I would pick up a book, put the phone down, let her ramble for, like, five minutes, pick the phone up, go, mm-hmm, and then put the phone down again until I could tell she was wrapping up. Oh, nice. And just read my book instead. <laughs> like, I cannot do phone calls. So maybe that's why I'm single. I don't video chat enough. My my best friend from Cleveland video chatted me to show to show me the fucking laundry room she was in. And I was like, I love you. <laughs> I'm trying to put on my Korean face mask and do my routine. I can barely talk because a face mask is full of small Korean mouths <laughs> and not mine. So I'm like, yes, that's cool. 
Like, I'm going for my small Like, and I'm like, I don't know what else. Like, I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, I'm really confused. So, yeah. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do a face mask after this podcast. Sit in tub with uh, the restless wine and uh, Korean face mask as a long way, as a good way to unwind. Yeah, I do. I do. I started the Korean 10 step once I started back at work because I I, I wear makeup at work. And my skin has never felt so soft and so clean in my entire life. Cheers <laughs> to that. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a Lanshuch Riesling. Uh, it's German. Uh, yay! I, I couldn't tell from the name. Uh, back on to my bullshit. I'm telling you. I'm telling <laughs> you. It's just Rieslings for days. Um, but uh, it is a... Fuck, it was $5.50. From all Dang. Yeah. I decided to try something new. I, I like going to the fancy wine store by work because then I can like peruse the aisles and pick out stuff I've never seen before, not let alone try. Um, and I actually went really off book with this pick. Um, I got it because the label's pretty, which is I know a thing you shouldn't do. The label's very pretty. It's um, a California Petite Syrah. Uh, and it's called Spellbound, and the label has like these, like the moon cycle on it, and it's like silver embossed. It's really pretty. I'm now, gonna keep the bottle. The bottle, mine is like a dark blue bottle. Well, it's quite nice, but then the the font for Landshut looks like one of those free fonts that you get. And for, <laughs> um, it's not the best. It's not the best, but it has a really cute drawing of a um. Oh my god, I'm already going British drawing. Um. <laughs> You're a... always British. Like, you always are British, Sabrina. Always. Oh, it's got that fucking thing on the back where they have a map of Europe and, like, enlarge the country. Like, <laughs> like I don't know where the fuck this is. But, um, thanks. But, so, but it, it mine is silver embossed as well. It's just that, that the, uh, the font looks off. So I'm pretty dry. Cheap, cheap though. font. Yeah. Cheap, why cheap font? Are we ready to get right into what is a, a cheap imitation of a Christie novel? Yes. Today we're reviewing Agatha Christie's Marple, Season 3, Episode 4, Nemesis. This is our last Marple with uh, Geraldine McEwen. Which is why we decided to do Season 3, and so we could have all of Geraldine's final episodes and then get our, our um, Season 4 with the next actress. Yes. Compare them. But I was a little bit bittersweet watching this and knowing that she was she was done after this episode. Yes. It's so bad that this, <laughs> it's so bad. Not that no no no. I'm not saying that the show is bad. I'm saying it's so bad that this episode was Nemesis in fucking name only. Mm. <laughs> when you read the book, you're like, hey, None of the characters are in there, except Marple. Oh, and it is actually a Marple book. It is a Marple book. It is a Marple book. But the only characters that are in there are the, uh, is Marple and the lawyers. That's it. Oh, no. That's so it. So it's like watching a whole new plot. It is. And I'm like, where the fuck did they come up with this plot? <laughs> the well, only- they went back to the well. And pulled uh, out fucking Nazis. They went to the well <laughs> and pulled out Nazis. Is what the they well did. of Nazis never runs dry. <laughs> I 
unfortunately, it's unfortunate because I thought we got rid of Nazis like in 1945, but we didn't. They're still fucking here. Inspiring murder mysteries for decades to come. And also uh, current American administration. Oh. I'm, <laughs> I went there we because I'm a little annoyed. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just. Nope, fuck nope, it all. nope. We're fine. The version of Nemesis that we are watching starts off with a flashback. It's the heart of England, not any specific place. During the Battle of Britain. Uh, 1940, and we see a pretty girl who sees a plane crash, and the pilot somehow manages to escape with his life. And he not only with it. his life, but with a beautifully clean face. <laughs> and he blinks up at this beautiful lady, and she, he goes, Am I in heaven? But in and German. Then, but then he repeats it in English, because otherwise I wouldn't have understood it. Yeah. And <laughs> the camera pans down, and you can tell he's a Nazi. By his Luftwaffe insignia. Yes. The music swells. I will say, I think this episode had the best score we have had in anything we've watched so far. It was a good score. The music was so good. The music was basically its own character in this particular episode. I've got uh, pistachio skins in one. I ate pistachios before you called. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I thought, I was like, is my wine corked? But it's a screw top. So that's not possible. <laughs> so it's pistachios. All right. Uh, oh my god, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not an episode unless somebody burps. Then we flash to the present day. 11 years later. So, her reading a newspaper in an upright chair is a detail from the book. The problem is, every once in a while, like, the coach, she actually does go on a coach tour in the book, so I'm not, it's not, but it's completely unlike the book basically. Mm -hmm. And so she does go on a coach show and she is reading the newspaper and she does see in the book, she sees the name Jason Raphael and she's like, where do I know that name? In the television show, they make it obvious that she like knew him and was very close to him. But in the book, she's like, we spent three weeks together in the West Indies, not in a, but on a, you know, on a vacation from her, her um, nephew, Raymond West. So, mm -hmm. like, so it's... Three weeks together in I the know, West right? Indies. Well, solving a murder. What's weird is that they uh, actually... Okay, murders definitely get Miss Marple off, though. <laughs> I mean, perhaps. It's like a rabbit, but, you know, deadly. Oh, I was like... How is the animal anything like a... Oh, no. Then, no, no that is no. not the rabbit that I meant. <laughs> no, no. It took me five seconds because unlike Carol, I'm not a pervert. <laughs> I'm not a pervert. She's totally a Mostly. Pervert. I'm kind of a pervert, I guess. I'm maybe. Actually, if you guys knew anything about me, you knew that... <laughs> What I said. Yeah, you're the European. You're way less straight. Like, I'm way more straight laced than I'm you. I'm also very German. And we know what <laughs> stereotypes are about the Germans. <laughs> Unfortunately, we do have the reputation of being the kinkiest motherfuckers in all of the European continent. So. <laughs> all that repression has to go. I somewhere. wonder if it wasn't the fucking Hugo Boss leather uniforms that we wore from <laughs> 1933 to 1945. You know, I wonder. I wonder. 
does she see Raphael's name in the obituaries than nothing other than Mr. Broderick, the lawyer. Who is a five rich actor, but we're just going to list them later. Uh, but Mr. Broderick uh, swans <clears throat> in with a letter Broad from rib. Nemesis. Broad rib. Broad rib. Whatever. No one cares. Uh, he was in the thing for literally 30 seconds. Yeah, um, that's true. But... He has a letter for Marple and a gramophone record. And Raphael asks posthumously for Marple to solve an old crime and to become Nemesis, that goddess of retribution and righteous anger. See, okay, so she calls herself Nemesis in a Caribbean mystery. You would not know this. Because Nemesis comes after a Caribbean mystery, but on the television series, a Caribbean mystery is in series four. So what the fuck? What the fuck? And I'm just, I'm just rolling back here. Jason Raphael is not German in the book, but they make him German in here. You can hear it clearly in his accent. And also the obituary states that he is remembered in his home country of Germany. Mm-hmm. He had to leave Germany in the book. Okay, I'm going. I'm about to go Illuminati here. Okay, in the book, he is a financier. All he does, he's a businessman who just all he cares about is money. So by making him a German who had to leave Germany in 1933 for writing books about justice, they are clearly calling him a Jew, but only if you've read the book. And I'm like, oh. and I'm like. The fuck, guys? The fuck? You could have just said he was Jewish. Like, it's not that hard. Also, but I think I know. I think they probably were trying to avoid sounding anti-Semitic by making. Well, him much- I don't. I so I, I would say maybe they weren't trying to avoid uh, sounding anti-Semitic, though that is quite possibly the motivation. But the I think they probably had this plot in mind. Yeah. With the whole love story thing. Yeah. And you can't make the dad Jewish. And not, and then have the son be a Nazi. Oh, you could, but mm, but they couldn't because that is, you know what I mean. Like that wouldn't pass. I was a little annoyed, you know, by the whole thing, and I was like, "A, Jason Raphael wasn't wasn't German, so they had they manufactured this whole side plot, um, obviously, and then like it was some sort of like it just it felt wrong. Also, in the book. He's offering her twenty five thousand pounds, not five hundred. Uh, yeah, fuck, man, I would I would solve a lot of mysteries for twenty five thousand pounds. Yeah, her going on this tool, she's not interested in the money. She's she's interested in justice, hence nemesis. But like, it's a lot. Just oh, uh, oh. Uh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just the. It's so different from the book that it bothers me. Like, but only that it's different from the book. Because otherwise, I actually found it fine. Mine's yeah, I actually really appreciated uh, Geraldine McEwen trying to look like she was full of righteous fury and anger. Yes. Because <laughs> that doesn't particularly come easily to her face. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, I thought in this scene, the music did a lot of the heavy lifting. Like, again, yeah. that's just like, you remember the, the costume note? Just... 
whoever did the score for this, I hope you got a BAFTA at some point because you did a uh, let's good job. Keep talking. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, per Raphael's request, Miss Marple decides to bring along a companion, and we actually get to meet her famous nephew, Raymond West. Who is definitely a five British actor. Music by Dominic Schaeffer. Oh, he sounds German. He does sound German. <laughs> he was he was born in Switzerland. So Swiss. Well, there you go. We meet Raymond West, who is on the phone with his agent, talking about his writer's block. We get the sense of him being a ladies' man because he's on the phone with another woman while another woman walks out of his bedroom. He's just kind of a layabout at this point because he's so successful and creatively stifled or something. He's got a lot of, he has got a lot of nominations. He has one, but nothing huge. But he has been nominated for an Emmy in 2015. Ooh. So good job, Dominic Schaeffer. Raymond is only too happy to come along on a holiday to help hopefully unstick his writer's block. And they agree to go on this mystery coach tour. Yes. In the book, it's just a tour of famous houses and gardens. Well, I think the only people that it's a mystery to really are Marple and yeah. Raymond. Yeah. Uh, but we get to meet our motley crew in the very next scene. Who are all fucking five British actors. Almost every single one of them is a five British actor. So we've already mentioned two so far. So who is Matthew Broadrib? Matthew Broadrib was played by Graham Gordon. And Graham Gordon is a famous British TV writer, but he's all he's also a BBC Radio Fulb. Was, I'm not sure if he's dead. But he was also one of one of the inspirations for Smiley, for George Smiley, uh, John Le Carre's George Smiley, because he was in MI5. Graham Garden is still alive. Okay. Cheers to you, Graham Garden. Yes. So, and then we have Dan Stevens, who plays Michael Faber. I recognize this one. I caught this one. He is in my notes. He played Matthew on uh, Downton Abbey. Then we have Richard E. Grant playing Raymond West. He is most famous for being Withnell in Withnell and I, who is a down-on-his-luck actor who is trying to get Hamlet and one thinks commits suicide. It's a beautiful film, actually. I would suggest it. Um, he is a, in a series of unfortunate events, which I just finished the third season. He's a man with a beard, but no hair. He is in Downton Abbey as Simon Bricker. He is in Doctor Who. And he was the Scarlet Pimpernel. The BBC is the Scarlet Pimpernel, and he was the Scarlet Pimpernel. I can't see it. I can't see it. I love The Scarlet Pimpernel was actually one of my absolute favorite books as like a middle schooler. Mm-hmm. I can't see it. Ah, uh, well, he was glorious. Then we have Ruth Wilson, of course, Alison Luther, who is... I recognize that one. But she's also the original Jane Eyre. And uh, I recognize something else that she was in, too, mm-hmm. when I looked her up. <laughs> what was it? But she plays oh, Georgina. she, she, ooh, this is exciting. It's not out yet, but she's going to play Mrs. Coulter in the new His Dark Materials series. Nice. I'm not a huge fan of his dark material, so good. I'm so excited for that. <laughs> then we have Johnny Briggs, who plays Sidney Lonely. He was in 1,344 episodes of Coronation Street as 
Michael Baldwin. <laughs> and um, so he was in Coronation Street until his until his character's death in 2006. And I've not seen a lot of Coronation Street, but I've seen enough to recognize the fucker. Then we have uh, George Cole, who plays Lawrence Rayburn. He died in 2015. Midsummer Murders. Um, he was in Midsummer Murders. That was one of his last roles, actually, as an actor in 2009 and he worked from 2000 uh, i'm sorry 2008 he worked from 1941 until 2008 god damn pour one out for george i know then we have ronnie and kami who plays amanda uh dalrymple who i fucking hate and she's in midsummer murders she was in skins as another hateful character and she's a comedic actor she does a lot of uh uh, kind of various skit roles. Like, um, the BBC has tons of, like, SNL-type shows, and she's one of those. And then we have Adrian Rollins, who plays Derek Turnbull. He's James fucking Potter for the Harry Potter films. Um, he was in Father Brown, he was in Midsummer Murders twice, and he's a Doctor Who character. Um, I'm trying to remember who he played. But anyway, he's James fucking Potter. Then we have Emily Wolf, who plays Marina Wadi. She's a Midsummer Murders girl. We have uh, Will Mello, who plays Martin Wadi. He's Death of Paradise. He's in Broadchurch as Steve Connolly. And he was the Knight Valiant in Merlin. Oh. <laughs> I'm not done. I'm not done. <laughs> we have Anne Reed, who plays Sister Agnes. She's in Poirot. She was in Upstairs, Downstairs, which there was a uh, reality TV version of Upstairs, Downstairs. And I watched it um, when I was living in America. It was on PBS, and it was like a reality TV show version. And I dreamt of being on that show. Uh, she was in Hot Fuzz. Uh, she's <gasps> She was in Hot Fuzz. She's uh, she's in Midsummer Murders. She's in Hetty Wainthrope Investigates, which is like Miss Marple for dumb people. <laughs> and she was in Coronation Street, but way back in the 1960s, when she was way before my time. Uh, we have Amanda Burton, who is Sister Clotilde. She's in Midsummer Murders. And she's in one of my favorite Tom Hardy movies. Bronson, he plays a crazy serial killer who has never been outside of solitary confinement his entire time in prison. And she plays his mother. And finally, we have DC Colin Hurts, played by Lee Ingleby. He was in Luther for two episodes, but he is the voice of Bob the Builder. And there we have it. I think that's the, I think that, that is the best British actor <laughs> reference that we have ever had. I think so. <laughs> Cheers, cheers to that list. And there is all fucking 12. And there were others that were well-known, but really only in Britain. Like, so, the whole fucking cast of five British actors, but they do that for the last episodes. They bring them all out, you know? First and last episodes. At least, at least uh, Geraldine got a good Mm send-off. My next note is, Ruth Wilson always just looks evil to me. Yeah, she does have evil eyebrows. No, it's the it's the uh, overbite. She well, yeah, but she's also got evil eyebrows. Like you could just like you could put her you could put her ha- your hand over her mouth and she would still look evil. I have evil eyebrows, so I but I don't have an overbite, so it's the combination, and I think it's yeah. because we just don't fucking take care of her eyebrows. 
<laughs> no, her eyebrows are plucked to look evil. Yeah, that's true. Like, look at her, look at her, her picture. Uh, well, yeah. Oh, I like how she's in her picture on IMDb. She's wearing... I'm telling you. She has evil... She's smiling with her eyes and she has evil eyebrows. Uh, she has... Uh, she has arch eyebrows. Oh, I love how she. I, I love said. how she's the original Jane Eyre, but she still looks fucking evil. Oh, she's in Locke! Oh my god, she's in Locke! Well, another another Tom Hardy movie. Holy shit! I fucking love this film. Locke only has Tom Hardy. He's sitting in a car and driving, and everyone else is calling him on his phone, mm. and so everything else is a phone. So I wouldn't have. Oh my god, Andrew Scott's in this movie. Tom Holland's in this movie, but it's all their voices. Shit! Shit! <laughs> Five degrees of Tom Hardy. I'm sorry. I'm also in love with him, but not in the way that I'm in love with Sean B. Well, actually... Fuck. Never mind. On a <laughs> scale of one to Sean Bean, how in love with Tom Hardy are you? If I had to choose between Sean Bean and Tom Hardy with a gun pointed to my head, I'd choose Sean Bean. Alright. There you go. Tom Hardy. <laughs> not quite on the Sean Bean scale. Uh, yes. <laughs> Um, just slightly lower, right. just slightly lower, but, you know. <laughs> we're introduced to everyone, and the German we're introduced to is the Faber, who we don't know is Faber yet, or... No, he, his, no he's introduced as Faber. And I as wrote, the foreigner was a weird Danish dude named Casper. <laughs> So, so like I said, none of the characters are the same. Not a single one. Well, so just to kind of build on that, so we get to meet Michael Faber, and uh, he is German, and is basically called out by one of the other people that we got to meet, Sidney Lumley, um, with his wife, Margaret, mm -hmm. um, who is much younger than him. And of, uh, they're both really low class, like new money types. Very they're, South Londony accent. They're, they're, they're new money, low class. So it's like, okay. And to offset that, we have Amanda Dalrymple, who is old money, low class. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, with her uh, solicitor, Lawrence, or not, her solicitor, Derek Turnbull. And she recognizes Raymond. They used to have a thing. And we also they were, get no, to no, 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 darling. They were associated. Yes, they were associated. We also get to meet Lawrence Rayburn, um, one of the few people traveling separately. And he also happens to know, know Amanda Dalrymple. And his she was like, what are you doing here? And he's like, even the lower orders need a holiday sometime. <laughs> Loved that. Then we get to meet Captain Martin Waddy and his wife Rowena. And Wadi um, Raymond susses out was in the tank corps, and he has a pronounced limp. And um, as you can see a little bit later, after you get out of the dark of the barn, some pretty bad scarring on his face where he clearly had some facial reconstruction. The makeup for his facial reconstruction was actually quite good. Yeah, it, it was totally believable. And then um, our final two travelers are... Two nuns, Sister Agnes and Sister Clotilde. And I just thought this was so funny because the show that I had been binging right before watching this was uh, Dairy Girls. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's about... Well, you know, you were going crazy about it. I have not seen it yet. It's so fucking funny. And my favorite character in the entire world right now is Sister Michael, who is this nun who just can give two shits about anything. 
for a long time. So my mother, my my mother's family is Lutheran Protestant, but they lived in a Catholic Bayern Munich. Southern Germany is Catholic. Northern Germany is Lutheran Protestant. So they are in northern Germany. Somewhere their ancestry moved. My emigrated down to um <clears throat> migrated migrated down to southern Germany, and my mother was a bit of a hellion as a child, so she went to a Catholic boarding school, which was more like a prison with like dogs, literally guard dogs. <laughs> so um um she was a little bit of a hellion and remained a hellion. <laughs> my mother has the funniest stories, but um so um but we had a Catholic bishop in the family, and for a long time. I wanted to be a nun for a long, long time. And in fact, I, I know I'm I know I'm Muslim, the worst Muslim in the history of the world. But like um <laughs> but like I'm like, yeah, that's still something I wouldn't mind. There's this beautiful abbey in France that's like in the mountains and has like one of the oldest and most continuously working libraries in the world. I'm I'd be fucking fine there. <laughs> like, okay. I'm pretty sure you have to be Catholic to be a nun, though. Well, you know, God is God. <laughs> God is God. I don't God. know if they see it that way. <laughs> I know, but I can pretend. I'm really good at uh, Fata Unza. That's all Father. Yeah, you can just pull, you can just go take a page out of Father Brown, man. <laughs> exactly. Precisely. I mean, we're all just praying to one God anyway, right? <laughs> well, Marple talks to Rayburn on the bus and found out that he got his ticket from a mysterious man named Amos that he doesn't remember. And she also finds out that uh, Rayburn was Dalrymple's uncle's butler, mm-hmm. which, frankly, he has butler face. Rayburn so, does have butler face. We also find out that Dalrymple is close to going broke. And somewhere... In the back of the recesses of her mind, Rowena Maddie recognizes Sister Clotilde. Yes. But Georgina, the lovely, the lovely, uh, fuck, I forgot, Ruth Wilson, mm-hmm. calls out that they're about ready to have their first stop, Forrester Gray. So, she, I love how they do the, you know, the, the birds. It's still a Hitchcock looking that looks like they're driving on a back screen thing. Still classic 1950s look. Love it. It's it's classic, but it's not quite as well done as it was in the other That's very true. setup. But uh, I love how she looks back for way longer than you really should on winding country <laughs> roads. Please keep your eyes on the fucking road. And just pull down one of those old-timey microphones and talk into it. Right ahead, Forrester Grange. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, Rayburn is quite unsettled because this is where he used to work. He also reveals that it's uh, Amanda Dalrymple who will inherit the pile. And we also see Amanda herself looking quite upset and taking a bunch of pills. Yes. And he goes, they're not... Oh, I fucking forgot what he says. The uh, Benedrix are not, like... um some candy, some 1950s candy. Yeah. And it was just so funny, and I was like, Benedrix. Benedrix. What is Benzedrix? Oh, see, the the thing is, they're just non-prescription decongestants. So they just, so they're not even, like, actual, like, anti-anxiety well, pills. Well, what's that one? 
a lot of sinus medicine has... Oh, yeah, has meth in it. Yeah. the beginnings of meth. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's the beginning is a meth, but it's like a, a like Ritalin yeah. type situation. So it could have been like that. Oh, okay. But, and then she goes in like, out, out, follow me, out. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit methy. It was a little bit methy. <laughs> it was a little bit methy. So she causes a big scene and tosses everyone out. She grabs a picture off a bureau and like breaks it beneath her feet. And everyone's just like looking at her. And she goes... And she's like yelling, why are you all persecuting me? And then she like, just goes, oops. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, oopsies. Oopsies. And, and I'm sure like, uh, it'd be like that. It'd be like that. When you're on meth, it'd, it'd be like that. Still, Marple, they're, you know, they're wandering. They're wandering. One of the things I realized is that Georgina's not a particularly good tour guide they, like they were at a brisk clip through this actually house. <laughs> she was a 1950s tour guide that's just how they were they were like look it's this spectacular thing they it's not like they had cell phones where they could take quick pictures no you would have it set up a cat no she was like let's go let's go this is beautiful this is wonderful we have shit to do one in the television show you find out it's not really a tour it's to to catch a killer and in two, in yeah. the book, they're much slower about shit. Ugh! Ugh! <laughs> well, in a book, you don't have to get things done in an hour and a half. That's true. But in Julian's letter to her, he included a quote, and this was on his gravestone but that he visited ju- as well. Yeah, but let's just roll along like a river righteousness, like a lemon failing stream, or something close to that. Ever, yeah, let justice roll down like waters. Yeah, righteousness, righteousness like an like flowing stream, the English standard mm-hmm. version. Sorry. But, uh, mm-hmm. so it's Amos 524, and Rayburn mentions that Amos Flair gave him these tickets. It's an anagram for Raphael. Blah, blah, blah. Jason always did like a funny. He didn't. Jason was a horrible man. <laughs> like, he was just, I mean, he was in the Caribbean to help his his mysterious ailment. Nobody really, he was just ill. He was such a curmudgeon. And, but no. This marble was talking like they had japes all the time. It was just bats down at Nando's all the fucking time. Like, no! This guy was a dick! Uh, but she also talks a little bit about to the nun about it and uh, kind of gains the Sister Agnes fuck. So I'm like a good half bottle. I'm almost done with this fucking bottle. What are you saying? Jesus, we're just gonna get fucking sloppy. And she gains a little bit of Sister Agnes's trust on the way to stop to the village of Medhurst in dun 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 the heart of England. Super duper awkward. Um, everybody's kind of like not friends. Dressing for supper is a a, a a very late art, and I love it. I still love it. And I do too. Actually, when I studied abroad, I stayed with fucking one of the richest families in Lyon. Not lying, they owned the apartment building we were living in. Um, mm-hmm. So I had to, we had not dress, but you had to wear actual clothes to the dinner table with shoes. Which was, like, I was like, oh, okay, cool. We don't just sit in front of the TV with frozen dinner? 
Also fine. Sabrina, let's start, let's, like, start a dressing for dinner club. Yes. I actually sit at my dinner table now. Today it was a McDonald's burger, so it wasn't, like, the best thing. <laughs> but, um... uh, but I thought this, this scene was particularly notice, not- notable for how fucking awkward it was with Rowena and, like, talking over every little sentence that Martin said. Mm-hmm. I hated it. I, I mean, it gave me the cringes yeah. watching it. And it was one of those, like, moments when, like, it was one of those, like, when you learn her story later, you kind of understand where she's coming mm-hmm. from. And then you, like, but you since you don't know it now, you're like, okay. She's one of those yeah. over-carers, you know what I mean? Like, one of those ones that doesn't let the disabled person have any kind of like functionality or any kind of independence as a human. Yeah. So I was like, okay, lady, no autonomy, Mm -hmm. but Mr. Faber skips to go brood. If you know anything about Matthew Crowley, he's got a brood face. Yeah. He's beautiful. I don't know. See, okay. You know, I think think it's, I think it's the, the steely blue eyes, but he has dark hair, so it's unusual. And I, I thought he was beautiful, but maybe that's just the German speaking to the German in me. I don't know. I like, no, I, I. So here's my thing. I think I would find him beautiful the more I looked mm-hmm. at him. But like in a single episode, I didn't find him attractive. And like when I watched the, I only watched the first season of Mountain mm-hmm. Abbey, and like the at first I was like, mm, I don't find him particularly attractive, and or like even um, his love interest who is gorgeous, but I can't remember her name right now. Uh, the very dark hair. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got a very unique face. Anyway, I was like, Ugh, neither of these people are attractive enough to make me care about them. And then, like, by the end of the series, I was like, they're so beautiful. Well, it's, once again, it's that British beautiful. So yes. if you're... I don't know. I think he's not, he's better than British beautiful. No, but if you're, if you're used to lowering your standards. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, you know, um, yeah, he's, he's a little bit more than British beautiful, but he's also British beautiful. Like he's, he's legitimately British. So, um, I know he was born, he was, he was born in fucking Croydon. So, but, (laughs) but he went to, he's Croydon beautiful. He went to Cambridge. He's beautiful in a hipster way. He went to Cambridge. Oh my fucking God. So moving (laughs) on. I'm sorry. (laughs) Marvel has sus. Uh, also, he's six foot tall, so you know, British people. Marvel has sussed out that Faber is actually Raphael's son. Ah, very smart. And he's like, she's like, he's just trying to make amends, whatever. And he was my friend. And Faber's like, you need better friends. Yeah. Okay. So in the book, it's Raphael's son, Michael. You, you know. Michael Raphael, who is pretty much incorrigible, like he's a rapist. Like Ooh. he he's not really a rapist. He's he just kind of plays fast and loose with women. I wouldn't call it. A, I wouldn't call him racist. He plays fast and loose with women. He he is a fraud. He's a thief. Like you find like Raphael basically writes him off as bad seed, but he's trying to in the book. Michael has been accused of. Murder and Raphael, Jason Raphael, uh, the father is trying to get him 
uh, cleared of this murder. Uh. I guess there's a slight connection with this, Ish. but motherfucker, this, it, it's nothing. It's not, I can't find a single, like, I'm, I'm like trying. I wrote one note on how it's similar to the book. Well, Raymond, being Raymond, has ordered a round of champagne for everyone. Yeah, two, two um, bottles, double fisting. And everybody partakes, and Dalrymple makes a play for Raymond, but he's, like, super in love with uh, Alice from Luther. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if he's in love with Georgina or just... Well, he's totally in lust, I yeah, don't know. He, this is new meat for him, so... Yes, he's definitely... He wants to win, so that doesn't go particularly well for him. And oh, and then Dalrymple's such an asshole to Georgina. I was just at, I was just about to comment on Lord Dresden, how it obviously is a well-loved favorite, implying that it's warm. And I, oh, yeah. I just was like, just... I might be American, but even I got that just, one. <laughs> just go fall down some stairs. Which happens um, <laughs> to somebody else yeah, at that exact moment. <laughs> There's a shout, and it looks like Rayburn has fallen down the stairs. And for a minute, I thought this was going to be another uh, guy goes having a heart attack because he can't find his heart medicine thing. Yeah. Uh, but upon reviving, uh, he looks at Margaret and calls her Verity. Nah, he's not looking at Margaret. Well, that's not revealed yeah. till later. But she goes, I'm not Verity. And he goes up to his room claiming he's fine and Margaret, or Miss, sorry, Miss Marple and Raymond go up and have a little tete-a-tete. But no, no, no. But no, we watch at Bertram's. He's not looking at Margaret. This is a trope. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, tete-a-tete. Go ahead. They, they go and have a little tete-a-tete and they figure out that the photo that D- Dalrymple smashed was actually a verity. Yeah, what's another, which... what's another word for truth? Come on, you're a writer. What's another word for truth? <laughs> it, that night, Captain Martin is tossing and turning in his sleep, saying Verity. And the next morning, they all go down for breakfast, and Georgina tries to rouse Mr. Rayburn, but they she can't, <clears throat> because he's dead. But she does not scream. Because she's Ruth no. fucking Wilson and she killed him himself. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like, the very first time I saw this, I had just gotten... I didn't just get finished, but Luther was still on the brain. And so, I was like, she killed him. She killed them all. She kills every single one of them. They're all going to die. <laughs> like, Ruth Wilson cannot play anything else but Alice... For the rest of her life. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, every time I see Ruth Wilson, I'm sure she's a lovely woman. Ruth Wilson, call me. But, um, like, I'm sorry. She's, she's <laughs> like, for the rest of her life, I'm just gonna be like, she's a serial killer. With a taste yeah, for children. Yeah. DC Colin shows up. This is our first time that we get to meet him. No. And he was like, the one last, the night before, bothering Raymond West about reading his book. That's true, I forgot about that. But he shows up to do some police work, and it's basically like, nope, he's dead, we're good. And Miss Marple's like, whoa, 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 brah. Are you sh- whoa. sure he's dead? Are you sure he's dead? <laughs> oh, wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
which door is dead? Are you sure it's not murder? Which way is dead? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. So he does, he's like, takes that under advisement after, um, Miss Marple suggests that it might be murder and, uh, also forces Ray to be like, oh, I'll totally read your shit. Yeah, Um, sure, why not? Why the fuck not? But as everybody's waiting for this prognosis... Of uh, death, obviously. (laughs) It's the prognosis of death. Uh, Miss Marple goes down and talks to the nuns who reveal that they knew Verity and that she was uh, at St. Elspeth's as a novice and she was running from a man. And that man is revealed to be Mr. Lumley. Lumley, I'm here to kill Verity, obviously, Mm. because I'm a South London boy and that's all we do. Kill folk. But it's <laughs> but it's also revealed that Verity was a servant at Forrester's Grange she just prior did. to entering St. Elspeth. Just every fucking thing. And she didn't know her real dad. No. Derek Turnbull, the solicitor for Amanda Dalrymple, asserts that Verity is absolutely dead. And she has been declared dead. And he knows these things because of vibrations. Did I not? No. Did I not tell you last episode, drunkenly, that about half of Britain believes in this bullshit woo-woo? I know. We had this conversation. We are not having it I know we're not having it yet, but I'm just telling you, here it is again. Here it is I know. I literally, literally, I watched this scene, and I flashed back to that exact conversation. Where I'm yelling about St. Michael. The Archangel. Martin has a reaction, and Dalrymple is recognized by a server in a particularly bad bit of script writing. Yeah, well, yeah. Martin's up in his room, is like, I don't know if I can go today, honey, and Rowena's like, you should come today, and then he's like, okay, I'll find and gather the strength, and he looks at his invitation to the coach tour, and he just has a card that says, Verity. Not, no. Oh, trust but verify they just got it wrong (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but we're on to our next stop following our brisk tour guide Georgina (laughs) a nature walk in the woods okay so this is where in the book uh, Marble goes off because she's too old to do this walk so she goes and stays with these three creepy ass sisters in this big ass crumbly house and it's like it's Mrs. Havisham Miss Miss Havisham all over again only it's three of them and she goes onto this <laughs> she goes into this ramble where it's like ooh the three sisters how Russian but none of them are Russian so you're like what the fuck is this we're not reading this is not Anna Karenina all over again so this is where this is it sounds more like Macbeth frankly yeah this is where it all goes off the fucking rails <laughs> Both in the book and in the show, because nothing, not, I'm sorry, I keep going on about it, but this show is Nemesis in name only. Yeah, yeah. Much like me and my relationship with the bagel place. (laughs) (sighs) But, on this nature walk, uh, 
Faber decides that he needs to walk alone by himself. Um, and we find out, because Miss Marple is not hanging out with the three witches of the wood, that the nuns know who he is, and Sister Agnes thinks he's the one who killed Verity. So Verity and Raphael have a connection, but it's a completely different book. So everyone thinks he killed her, but then they think somebody else. It's whatever. What the fuck, Emma? God. That book... Actually, I have to 100% say that book was confusing and dense and weird. And I was just like, why is this taking me five hours to read it? Oh, because I don't want to fucking read it. Again, <laughs> that was my second or third time reading it at that point. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Not the best, Christy? No. No, unfortunately. A Caribbean mystery was much better. They do verify, these nuns do, that Michael and Verity loved each other and uh, they wanted to run away together. And the night that she, they ran away, or the night that they were supposed to run away together is the night that Verity disappeared. And Michael was very quickly captured and uh, was spent the rest of the world war as a British POW. When they show the POW camp, they show a bunch of Germans playing footy, having a grand old time, still in their fucking uniforms. The Brits tortured Germans, too, in their POW camps. It wasn't all, boy, howdy, three squares, a heart and a cart. No. And I was like, fuck this noise. His letters would have been blacked out. Yeah. They would have read them yeah. to him and be like, your father's dead. And all sorts of bullshit. This so, particular yeah, anyway. episode was anyway. very strange. Nobody treats POWs well, and I was kind of upset. I was like, A, they wouldn't allow them to wear their officer insignia in a POW camp. Like, really? Well, there's that for sure. But also, I th just on a larger scale, I thought this episode was strange with how sympathetic it was to Michael, who was a fucking Nazi. Yeah. Like, yes, he fell in love with a nice British girl, but like... In no way, shape, or form has he renounced his Nazism. But also why I thought that he was a pretend Nazi and only doing it so he wouldn't die in the concentration camps. Some Jewish people did hide their Jewishness and did do this. Not, I, not I mean, many. Well, that's fine, and I believe you. I, I'm just saying that there was nothing whatsoever in this script to either hint at yeah. that or hint at his redemption. So you have to be a, a history buff to understand all the context. And I'm like, no, no, you're being super sympathetic with a Nazi and that's not cool. Like, no, I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree with you. But like, like I was reading all this context into it because of my knowledge of it. But that doesn't mean anyone else would they just see a nice nazi right and and frankly half your context is coming from the book frankly i'm fucking and it's not even in the book because there were no nazis in the book and frankly i'm fucking tired of nice nazis so i was like what the fuck is happening <laughs> like yeah. so yes i totally agree with your criticisms because was, I, I, I am right there with you. It was a very strange dissonance to the episode, I thought. But Agnes did say old sins cast long shadows. So yes. at least she acknowledged it. 
having watched the whole episode, I thought that was that, like, at first I was like, well, she's just talking about the war and how this was a German mm-hmm. guy. But she obviously also he, recognized him. Yeah, but at the same time, like, we didn't know that when she said that. And so, like, having, like, knowing that she knows him now in this particular scene, revealing that and revealing that she thinks that he killed her, that I, then I took that old sense cast long shadows to mean that he committed mm-hmm. murder. And not that he was a Nazi. So, like, yeah, like you said, it's kind of a... It's not a pro-Nazi episode. They're not like, eugenics, yay, no. kill all Jews. But it's also... It's only been 11 years since the war. And trust me, no Brit... No, it's only been 11 years since 1940. Oh. It's been six years oh, since yeah. the war. It's been six, oh, fuck. I don't even think he would have been allowed in the... He would have been immediately deported. Like, Nazis... Proven Nazis, as he was, would not be allowed in the country. They're not even allowed into our country. It's literally on the, it's on the immigration forms. <laughs> it's also on the, when you sign up to be, to get your green card, they ask again. And, which is funny for my mother, who was born in 1950, she's like, no. <laughs> well, and I mean, I, I, just U.S. immigration is fucking hilarious. Like, who's going to answer also, yes? Also, they're almost all dead. Another one that they ask is, have you committed genocide? Yeah. So, yeah. Sympathetic Nazis, it's a tried trope, and I hate it, because there are no sympathetic Nazis whatsoever. In the meantime, Turnbull, the solicitor, confronts Margaret Lumley and goes, I know who you are. And then Margaret, uh, not Margaret, and Martin, Martin Waddy, Captain Martin Waddy, uh, his wife is, you know, he's strolling along with his wife Rowena and the, I guess the like landscape thing that you're supposed to view is this bunch of rocks and you're supposed to walk up the rocks. Yeah, that that's and... in the books as well. Like, they go, right. like, they have two things. For old, decrepit people, they have the guns, and then they have the Bonaventure rocks, which are these, like, cliffs, basically. And uh, he's like, you just go up without me, honey. I'll sit here. And she does in her heels. Literally all the women are wearing except heels. Jo- except, except for Georgina. Except for Georgina, and interestingly enough, because I looked at it a couple times, because I was like, "Wait, what?" Uh, Amanda Dalrymple is wearing flats, but she's Pointing wearing like this extravagant red dress. But Rowena makes it to the top, and we see a figure in a trench coat and a hat, and she goes, "What do you want?" And then we flash to the pub where DC Colin comes up to Miss Marple, and she go, "He goes, well, we found no poison in the medicine." But he was poisoned, possibly by the champagne he drank. And then the next morning, we see a dramatic shot of Rowena at the bottom of the cliff. In the book, the person who dies, only one person is murdered in the book. And the person who's murdered in the book is this the headmistress of the school. And you learn why she's important later. I'm not going to spoil the book. Uh, she gets, somebody pushes a rock on her. Like a whole ass, a whole ass boulder. She doesn't get crushed, but her head gets partially smashed and she's in a coma and stuff like that. So My big question is how did they not find her until the next day? Nobody really missed her. The only person who would have missed her was Martin. 
Mm-hmm. And he was asleep pretty much the whole time, he says. But they do all their interviews. Uh, I like how this actually was very similar to last episode where it was like a big round of interviews. Everybody mm-hmm. kind of circling through the same room. It's similar to at Bertrand's. Remember they, they meet in the billiards room? Yeah. And they, some people play with the, the billiards balls. Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a trope. It's a trope, but I think it's really cute to have it keep going even though you've got all the same different directors. Yeah. Colin actually lets uh, Miss Marple and Ray sit in on the interviews. Uh, Margaret admits that she knows she looks like Verity's. And that fucking dress. Oh, so yeah. great. Sydney Lumley says that uh, Dalrymple scared Verity. Dalrymple admits that Verity was Forrester's kid. Uh, Michael admits that he and Rayburn argued the night before Rayburn died. And he also talks about how much he loved Verity. Ray goes and gets drunk with all the boys. Oh no, I love the scene where it's a bunch of old, and not old, very young vets who have very painful memories of a war that's only six years gone. Like, but he's like, I swallowed a hell of a lot of the Atlantic when my boat was, when my sub was torpedoed in 1942. And then I'm working at the Ministry of Food writing about powdered eggs. And they're like, powdered eggs! And (laughs) that was really cute. That was really cute. I love these post-war, I really, that's why I like Father Brown so much, because this is my child. But, like, um, <laughs> I just, it just was like, oh. And then I felt bad because we always, well, especially I get Martin, quote unquote, Martin, um, would all, they all have PTSD. And, mm-hmm. and they were not served well. None of the World War II veterans were served well with PTSD because they didn't know what it was. Well, they knew it was shell shock. Right. They all knew war, like, f- battle fatigue, shell shock, all these words. But, like, you didn't know how to deal with it, and Jung and Freud were a bunch of useless hacks, so you couldn't help them. And so it was, like, this weird, like, also, they were both German, so we're not going to listen to a bunch of fucking, you know, krauts. Um, and so it's this mm-hmm. weird, like, I f- like, they had this camaraderie that only they would have understood what life was like as as veterans, as sh- soldiers. So I really like that. I know it's this tiny thing but I was like oh no it was a great little scene it was a good character building scene and it really made me appreciate Ray specifically in a completely different light but again it was an interesting scene and this actually like it was irrespective of like the whole sympathetic Nazi thing it was it was weird for me like I was like why the fuck was Michael at that table yeah I guess they the writers wanted us to think because he was nursed back to health by these proper English nuns that he became British or that his father instilled in him in the few times that they ever got together before the war, like instilled in him that Britain was right. But he was shooting at Britain during the Battle of Britain when his plane was shot down. So what the fuck ever? Mm -hmm. Anyway, so yes... This is a really cute character building scene, but everything is slightly off kilter when you are talking about a sympathetic Nazi. Margaret and Sydney try to make their midnight escape, but the indoor is locked and only Georgina has the key. And she won't let them go. Or rather, she entreats them to stay by playing another one of Raphael's records, gramophone records. Oh, this is that scene where it's Ruth Wilson being evil, where she's standing and staring them down, like, with her eyebrows. 
and mm-hmm. her overbite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if only I could look that good with that uh, overbite. You see, she's, once again, she's British good looking, because the overbite would make anyone unattractive. She is super British. Like she, she's got an overbite, and an overbite is distinctly unattractive. It makes you look immature and like a little, just like you sucked your thumb for too long. She would be beautiful had did, if she had not had the overbite. She would be traditionally beautiful if she didn't have the overbite. But she now had... she's just interesting. Yes, yeah. in the best way, but she's still fucking evil. Oh, like I'm sorry. I would. Abs- I mean, I'd hit that like an angry god. But yeah. Thor is not (laughs) the next day they head out to their final stop St. Elspeth's and it's this was weird like I did not realize that when and maybe it was just a line of dialogue I missed but I did not realize that St. Elspeth's had been abandoned and so they uh, they moved the nuns to London during the Battle of Britain that mm -hmm. was it it was a throwaway line from St. Agnes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, had... it was really shocking to me to see just kind of how broken down and unkempt yeah. St. Yeah. Elspeth was. Martin goes wandering down. Um, they have actually, like, the bones of the saint there, and he goes past that. And Faber goes to the little room where he was nursed back to health, and Martin mm-hmm. finds him there. And they have kind of a weird moment where they're both sitting on this bed. And he admits to Miss Marple after Michael leaves that... He is having a really hard time processing the death of his wife because he just isn't feeling anything about it. And he wonders if he ever loved her at all. Foreshadowing. Oh, I know. But unfortunately, the coach is completely broken down and they will have to stay the The coach is broken down. This is not a visual medium, but I just did five air quotes. (laughs) (laughs) and as they're grabbing all their stuff out of the coach Faber's suitcase is tugged open by accident and there's the trench coat and the hat with a book that has Michael Faber's name yeah so they clearly know it's Michael Faber's suitcase DC Colin is quick on the draw with his arrest and then we go see Miss Marple wandering around the little graveyard and she finds the grave of Ralph Collins, one of the other British pilots who is nursed back to health at St. Or was nursed at St. El- St. Elspeth's. God damn. I should not have... This, I wish this word did not come up after most of the <laughs> bottle of the wine. <laughs> I'm letting you say it. I'll just nod and smile. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> <you>. <laughs> uh, His grave, Ralph Collins' grave, has fresh flowers on it, but Miss Marple notes that uh, known only to God is what they would typically put on an unknown soldier's yep. grave. And Sister Agnes says that they uh, had to ID him post-mortem, yeah. basically. With his signet ring. Yes, with his signet ring. And he actually died a week after Verity disappeared. And it was a huge blow to Sister Agnes. Faber breaks free. DC, Colin, and Raymond are on the hunt. But... Before they can find him, Faber is cornered in the... Well, Faber doesn't corner in the kitchen. He corners the people in the kitchen with a knife. Mm. Um, and he has, holds his knife up to Dalrymple's neck. And Dalrymple admits that Verity is alive. Or rather, that they have been blackmailed by Margaret Lumley, who really is a Verity lookalike. And they've been sending her 50 pounds a week, I think. 50 pounds a week or 50 pounds a month. Something like that. But a lot of fucking Mm. money. 
for the last like 11 years to stay away so that Dalrymple can inherit the estate. You bloody idiot, basically. But Miss Marple has figured it all out. And later in the chapel, Miss Marple confronts Clotilde, the real Oh, killer. after the hot chocolate, which is a throwback to the uh th- throwback to the book where one of the sisters, the sister the the murderer tries to kill Agatha. Agatha, no. She tries to kill Marple with a glass of poison milk. And she admits to having poisoned Rayburn, mm. basically the same way. And she killed Verity with the spear of St. Elspeth. Yes. Because instead of choosing Jesus, she chose Michael. And also she was in love with her. That was a lesbian. Because there's a... There was definitely a lesbian undertone. There's a definite lesbian undertone in the book, too. Lesbians can't do anything but yeah. murder. Yeah. It's been, well, they can't do anything but murder in 1951. Let's be real. <laughs> we also find out very quickly that Waddy is actually Ralph Collins and not Martin mm-hmm. Waddy. And that Verity is the one buried in Ralph Collins' grave. And the reason that Waddy was remembering having was sitting down in that little room where Michael was nursed back to health is because he was also nursed back to health there. And they they just sent they they just brought Rowena or they brought him to Rowena. <laughs> she Cl- Clotilde brought him to Rowena and was like, "Hey, army welfare." And that is why Rowena recognized Clotilde in the yes. very beginning. By have you ever been to Dorking? Dorking is Dorking mm-hmm. is in Surrey. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I just googled Dorking just to make sure that I was right. <laughs> it says things to do in Dorking. There is open space. There is a woodland peak, woodland meadows, and oh yes, there is a Bucket's Farm Park. So basically, it's just go stand next to some pigs. Clotilde decides that she needs to be super fucking dramatic and she's like something about like I can find forgiveness or St. Elspeth forgive me and Miss Marple with all the fury of her righteous little body is like it's God who forgives. And Clotilde is like just a moment of prayer please. And she turns to the statue but then she takes the spear and stabs herself. The murderer in the book kills herself as well. And the button is pretty much your traditional button. Everybody's back on the coach. Raymond tells DS Colin or DC Colin that yeah. he really has something. Uh, Ralph Collins is reunited with his actual wife, yes. who is the one who's been leaving flowers. And back at her house, Miss Marble pricks her finger. So that vengeance flows like water. But it's also by the pricking of my thumb, which is an Agatha Christie book. Um. It's an Agatha Christie book, but it's also from, like, uh... It is! The title of the book, it's her actual scene one of that Scottish play. <laughs> I remembered. Uh, when the second witch says, By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. Oh. Both of those are Agatha Christie titles, but um, but a uh, a foreshadowing to season four. Well, did you figure it out? Oh yeah, I figured it out 
when Raven did the Verity and Margaret was like, I'm not Verity, I'm Margaret. And I was like, oh, that's like at Bertram's. We're looking mm. at something else. So I figured it out then. It is nothing like the book, so I couldn't use the book to fucking help me. But, yeah. <laughs> I... I didn't figure it out. I got close. I knew it was one of the two nuns. <laughs> Good. I didn't, I, I wouldn't have guessed the lesbian vibes. <laughs> well, the book has lesbian vibes, so they had to put the lesbian vibes in somewhere. So I was, I was okay with that. There was a point when I thought it could have potentially been Martin Waddy and he was mm-hmm. like, he was, he was only pretending, like, where he was pretending to be Martin Waddy, but he was actually like somebody else and the killer and whatever. Yeah, and that's a that's actually but a thing in the book. I, I did so, by the end think it was one of the nuns. Yeah. Did you like the episode? Yes. Vaguely. Yeah. But like I didn't understand the criticism of well, these are nothing like the books until this episode. Because <laughs> this episode is like not even slightly so Either the the episodes either do one of two things. They keep the plot but not the characters, or they keep the characters but not the plot. This one kept neither the characters nor the plot. The only the only plot they kept was that it was a coach tool and that it was a marble. That's it. And so it was like this was where I finally saw the holy shit, this mm-hmm. is wild. Like so it was so divorced from the book. So for a Marple, it's it's fine. It's cute. She does a good job as Marple. Uh, the characters are interesting. The plot's interesting. You know, it's a, it's definitely a cozy. But if you're calling it Agatha Christie's nemesis, no, not mm-hmm. at all. So it depends on if you're a if you're a purist or if you understand a television. Trying to translate the book into a a television, an hour and a half long television show probably would not have worked. I really liked it as an episode. Mm-hmm. But I think I liked it more when I watched it mm-hmm. than now talking about it. Because when I watched it, you have that experience of the music and the music is just mm-hmm. so, so good. Like, I can't talk about how good the music was enough. But now, re- like, going through the plot again and just recognizing, like... I'm really disturbed by the fact that the entire point of re- the only thing that ever redeemed this Nazi was love. And that's not really how redemption works. <laughs> well, no. You have to do a shit ton of other things. Or, or, like, they didn't even fucking say, though, that he ever renounced his views on Nazism. No. And so the big thing for me was what colored me was the fact that Raphael was, like, clearly coded as Jewish, even though he wasn't coded as Jewish. In the- so you you had to have read the book to understand why I coded him as Jewish and why I understood why Michael Faber did what, 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 did what he did. Yeah, and but again, I didn't get that. And you wouldn't have gotten it without a shit ton of context. So that was poor. That was, was cool yeah, doing. Was... No, I I understand. I understand. I think I'm gonna give it a three out of five. I enjoyed it. I'm gonna yeah. I'll the, yeah. That seems about fair. I think three out of five. I enjoyed it. When you start dissecting it, is when you start the 
So what happens it is... It unravels quite quickly. It, Nazi stories always unravel quite quickly. <laughs> Unfortunately, because we don't really know how to treat Nazis. And there is only one way to treat Nazis, and that's to punch them in the face and or charge them with war crimes. And on that note, did you enjoy your wine? It's a German wine. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Ooh, it was good. It was a little, it was sweet. And I've been drinking a lot of dry wines lately. I guess, I don't know, the last wine I have, I still have no fucking clue how it tasted. <laughs> the last one I drank, I think it was dry. Um, but, uh, this was a, quite a sweet wine. So what I like about sweet wines is that you can just drink them without anything going. Just a wine, <laughs> yay! So, but I liked it. it was good. I like this a shit ton more than I expected to. I am not even gonna lie. I did. Is this a Sancerre? No, Sancerres are white. Yeah, no, this is a Petite Syrah. Syrah, yeah, a Syrah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I bought it for the label. I straight up bought it for the <laughs> label, and I did not expect it to be good. It was also on sale, and I bought it for the label. Mm-hmm. And I mean, by on sale, it was like three dollars. It was like three dollars off, so it was like ten ninety nine, which put it in my price range. <laughs> yeah, no, my price range is under ten dollars. I we have discussed at length how bad your price range is. And <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but it's really good. Yeah, it's really good. I drank. I have had a good chunk of this bottle, and I am yeah. going to finish it tonight in the bath. Nice. Out of out of nine, what would you give your Riesling? Um, seven and a half. All right. I think I'm going to give this a nine out of ten. What an ultimately drinkable wine. Mine is very drinkable, but it is sweet. So if you're not a fan of sweet wines, it's probably won't be the wine for you. This is sweeter than I usually drink, but I wouldn't categorize it as a sweet wine. Not all Rieslings are sweet. Yeah. No. I've had. I love a good dry Riesling. I love all Rieslings. Any Riesling. All Rieslings. Rieslings with truffle fries in the lobby of an expensive Atlanta hotel. That's the first time I ever had a Riesling. That's <laughs> the dream. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Classlicity. And I'm at SDM Right. And you can follow our official Twitter at Wine Murder Night. And it's a very important time that you follow our Twitter because what happens between this recording and next recording, Sabrina? We have a, a poll? We have a poll! Ooh, but the last time you told me about the poll, you said that we were only going to put Canadian and US ones on there, and one of the ones you were going to put on there was fucking... It's with P. Psych. Psych. And I fucking hate that show. Well, we're going to switch it up a little bit because don't we make fun for, of... Don't vote for Psych. We're going to switch it up a little bit because we have made fun of the British a lot. Very true. So very true. It's going to be a North American cozy poll with your four choices, and you guys get to tell us what to watch. And you need to follow us on Twitter because after this episode goes out, you're going to put that poll up, and you have 24 hours to vote on what we review next, and we will review it. On our next episode of Miss March Marple, we will be watching season four, episode one, A Pocket Full of Rye. So watch along with us. Silence is one of my favorite books. You should subscribe on iTunes and tell your friends to subscribe and frankly, your moms and grandparents to subscribe, even though they probably don't want to hear me talk about vibrators. But we talk about the shows they love and give historical context. 
Well, maybe they do want to hear you talk about vibrators. I mean. Maybe they need a new vibrator and didn't know what a rabbit was, and now they're going to Google it, and... <laughs> I knew what a rabbit was! It just took me a second. <laughs> if you leave us a good review, we will read it and toast to you. We really do appreciate when you do that, because we want more people to listen to this show. As always, we would like to say what, Sabrina? Spasiba! Spasiba to Anton Koryakov, who wrote and performed Simple Life, our theme song, off the album Restart. Till next time. <laughs>